Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. From inside our two-bedroom apartment in downtown Baltimore, it is the Masson All Access Podcast. Paul Mancondo and Brendan Mortensen here with you. As always, the uh, location has changed just in the slightest. Uh, as mentioned, we are in our apartment, downtown Baltimore, uh, because of the, of course, recent spikes in COVID cases. Better safe than sorry, of course. And we can work from home. The question is, how well can we work from home? We are going to find out. But uh, I don't think we'll have more of a clownish-looking podcast than this day. Because not only, if you're not watching if you're not watching on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, not only are we doing this from our apartment, and this is the first time we're setting this up, and I think we'll get better at this, but we're also wearing holiday jackets. Personally, I think I pull mine off a little bit better than yours. And the good thing is you to say mine, since both the jackets are yours to me. And honestly, I fit it pretty well. I fit it pretty well, Brendan. Well, and the best part is we only have two cameras. Yes. Which means we have a two shot where both of us are in there. Right. And then we have the other camera. And I said, what are we going to do with this? We can't have two, two shots. You know, we can't have two shots of just the two of us. Right. Couldn't find the right angle. So I said, you know what? Just give me a solo cam. Just give me a one shot. Because if why else are people tuning in? Right. I mean, I it's am what, it's strictly, what the people want to see. I am strictly a pretty face, you know, right. and, and I don't bring anything else to the table besides that. So if right. we don't have a one shot of me, what are we doing here? You know, what is the right. point? Why, why am I here? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I provide the content and you provide the looks to the podcast. Everybody exactly. knows it. No, yeah. yeah. You, you're the brains. I'm the beauty. Right. I think that's how our relationship we, works. We already have uh, comments on Facebook. Thank you for following along. Uh, complimenting our attire. Complimenting. Are you sure about the compliments? They are praising it. They are raving over it. They are asking where I got it. um, Actually, though, give me one comment. It's not true at all. Are any of these Uh, able to be read Somebody said, what are they wearing? (laughs) LOL. (laughs) Oh, thanks, Mom. Thank Uh, you. Appreciate that. Uh, Yeah, this could be be ugly to the eyes. Um, But also, (laughs) we'll see how it goes. Also, keep in mind, if I look... Like, I'm distracted when Brendan's talking. I'm also trying to run our live stream, which is the, the device that we go with. They're getting a real behind-the-scenes They are how we're doing here. So if if it looks like I'm not listening to Brendan, one, I'm not. He's I, I most certainly am. not. That um, would happen most of the time anyway. Yeah, but two, it's because I'm actually trying to press buttons and, and do this on the fly. So there may be some hiccups along the way, but that's what, this, that's what these tests are for, in the Grinch's words. Uh, great film. Great you think film. it's the best uh, Christmas movie? I don't think it Grinch, is. I, I know How it the Grinch is. Stole Christmas. Underrated Christmas movie, by the way. The Santa Claus 2 with Tim Allen. You know the Santa Claus 1? Great Man. film. Yeah. The Santa Claus 2 is arguably better. There's a whole love story. There is... I mean, uh, it's not, there is but you're certainly, great, you're certainly entitled to your opinion. It, it doesn't come close to the Grinch. There's a whole great scene where uh, they give out gifts to uh, the teachers at the school, and it's just a lovely scene. It's heartwarming. It's beautiful. Santa Claus, too. I'd highly recommend, Brendan. Maybe I'll have to check it out. Speaking, but, it, but it doesn't touch the Grinch. That's all I know. It's a great film. It's become such a cult classic, 
I think at this point because mm. it's the script is like written for adults, but it's shot like it's for kids. So it okay. is just kids don't didn't appreciate it, adults didn't appreciate it, and then years later, the kids that didn't appreciate it have grown up and appreciated it. That's my take on the Grinch. Jim Carrey's Grinch, of course, not the. I think I appreciated it the whole time. There are people that think that it is an abomination because the animated version is so good, which it is. It's great. Eh. You think it's just okay? I I would would rather watch the live action. What about the claymation Christmas movies? Do you get into that? Yeah. They're the classics. They are. You have to. Rudolph. Some of them get really trippy and weird. Yeah, they do. Um, Santa Claus is coming to town. But isn't that he the like Christmas does a season? Whole, he does a whole dance with like the winter guy, with old man winter. And then there's a whole thing with uh, snow miser, heat miser. They're, 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 that I think whole of thing the does two happen. of us. Yeah. Heat miser, snow miser. I'm heat miser, you're snow miser. Wow. I think that's a great comparison. If we could get a Photoshop. Yeah, whatever you say. I'd appreciate that. Well, Speaking- I, I can't do the Photoshop because the last time I did a Photoshop. <laughs> I think we all know how that It didn't out. go well. I think we all know how that turned out uh all right well thanks for tuning in that's our podcast and uh (laughs) we are going to in a bit we're going to talk about our christmas wish lists uh things that we would like for christmas this holiday season when it pertains to the orioles but first we are going to talk a little bit about uh the not top 30 prospects all the hype and all the attention tends to go to those top 30 guys um within the oriole system and within every system for good reason because they are typically viewed as the better prospects. Um, and it's just hard to keep track of that many guys if they're not on the in the top 30 in the MILB.com or MLBpipeline.com top 30. They kind of fall out of the consciousness of, of fans, and especially this past year, because you had so many guys in the top 30 who were part of the 60-man player pool who were at the alternate site. But guys that were not in the top 30 just... Most of them just did not get an opportunity and were working from home and trying to practice from home in these tough circumstances. So we're going to give you some names of guys that we think could be impactful to the Orioles' future, could debut maybe in a year or two, that are not being talked about right now because they're not in the Orioles' top 30. And for a point of reference, Trey Mancini, I don't think he was ever part of any top 30. So... Just because a guy is not part of a top 30 at some point does not mean he can't be an impactful player down the road. Um, it just means that for whatever reason, either production, either uh, tools, you know, a guy is just not viewed as having good enough, a pitcher is not viewed as having good enough stuff or a hitter is not viewed as having good enough hitting tools. They're just overlooked. Um, but that doesn't mean that they won't eventually, couldn't eventually make their debuts and, and have an impact. So we're going to give three not top 30 prospects. Yeah, it would be surprising if somebody not in the top 30 to, turns into a star because usually the guys who turn into superstars in the league are the ones who are the higher prospects. They get drafted higher. But there are also some guys that we're going to talk about that are maybe just too young to be in that top 30 at this point but could jump into the top 30 down the line, but it's important to talk about them now because we want to get them on our radar for going forward too. Absolutely. So Brendan, we have three each. Yes. Um, Also seeing comments, some people are giving us suggestions already. I saw one for Steve Klimek, um, a guy definitely to keep your eye on. I think he was an all-star in 2019 at the halfway point, I think, with the Frederick Keys, if I'm I'm not mistaken. Uh, But he's not on our list, but another good guy. Steve Klimek put up good stats in 2019. Uh, 
Brendan, start us off with your first one. Yeah, first one I have uh, is a pretty obvious one being Isaac Matson. Mm-hmm. It's just added to the Orioles 40-man roster. I would imagine because of that addition, he is probably going to make an impact in the Orioles bullpen in 2021. I don't think he's going to be a starter. I don't think he is as good as some of the top guys in the Orioles system and some of the guys that they have in the starting rotation right now with Dean Kramer and Keegan Aiken. But I think Matson could still be an impact pitcher for the Orioles. He had a 3.86 ERA in AAA in 2019, a 2.68 in AA. He doesn't have overwhelming stuff, but I think he is going to be a solid bullpen arm. Of course, he was acquired in that Dylan Bundy trade. He's probably the biggest piece of that trade, so you certainly want to see what you have in him at the major league level. I would assume that he will probably start the season in AAA because he didn't get a ton of time there in 2019, but I think after, I would imagine a short few weeks, he will probably be at the major league level. Yeah, uh, I love Isaac Matson. I think we've I've had multiple people on the podcast to talk about Isaac Matson. I think that he is has the potential. He's a classic not top 30 prospect because he's not viewed as having this amazing stuff, but every year he has put up great stats. Every year he has looked solid. And a lot of times I think some of the prospects, typically pitching prospects, not on, not exclusively but te- the top 30 pitching prospects tend to be starters at the minor league level. And maybe eventually they turn into relievers. But when you convert a guy to a relief role at a younger age in the minors, it's often because they they're not viewed as having enough pitches uh, to get to be a long-term starter, but that doesn't mean that they can't be an effective reliever. Um, They, so they made the move with, with Matson early and we'll see how it turns out, but it is, Worked extremely well at the minor league level. Um, you worry sometimes, like if, talking of guys that make that transition into a, a reliever role at a younger age uh, in the minors. I think of a guy like Brandon Klein that put up great stats at Bowie and I think at Norfolk uh, when he was there as a reliever. And we thought maybe this guy, event, you know, he started out as a starter, turned into a reliever. Maybe this guy will have something. And he was fine for them last year, but then ended up getting DFA'd this past offseason and just really did not live up to the second round expectations that he had when he was taken then. So it is a risk when you have somebody like that because they they don't have the ceiling of a starter. Like Matson doesn't have the ceiling of a starter, but that doesn't mean he can't be an effective bullpen piece. And I really think he's going to get a shot in 2020 or 2021, rather. I would assume... I- I would be very surprised if he doesn't at least get his shot in the bullpen in 2021. We talked about on the podcast last week about the Orioles bullpen and how we thought there were some spots that could be maneuvered around a little bit, depending on who bumps into the starting rotation, who sticks in the bullpen. But you have to think that Isaac Matson is one of those guys that Brandon Hyde will want to get some time in the bullpen. Yeah, absolutely. All right. My first guy of the not top 30 prospects, like the not top tab on SportsCenter, but these aren't like... But they don't, these aren't like the fails. <laughs> yeah. They're still good. It's not like the... Dun, 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 dun. That music would get stuck in my head every Friday. Oh, the not top 10? Yeah. I Growing up, loved the not sports. top Yeah. Every Friday, you look forward to it. Yep. Especially during the summer, turn on hour-long Sports Center. What happened to Sports Center? Just not the same. All anyway, right. the rest of our podcast will be what happened to Sports Center. Yep. All right. Uh, my first guy, I'm going to go with Mason McCoy. Uh, shortstop infielder. He is versatile. Uh, last played for the Bowie Bay Sox back in 2019. Started off that 2019 season scorching hot at Frederick, was hitting 379 
and then got the bump up and struggled a little bit at Bowie. Doesn't have a whole lot of power. He's a former sixth rounder in 2017, so he was, of course, drafted by the previous Dan Duquette regime. Um, I think what is working for him is that he is still viewed as a shortstop. Um, and that is hugely important because once a guy gets bumped off of that shortstop, uh, it's tough to get them back, and it's rare that you get them back. And while the Orioles have a bunch of great shortstop prospects that we always mention, Taron Vavra, though he's working in the outfield, Jordan Westberg, Gunnar Henderson, those guys are not going to debut in 2021. Those guys are further away from the bigs, whereas I think Mason McCoy is like the closest to the bigs of the shortstop prospects. Even though he's not a top 30 prospect, he could debut before those guys just because he is much more advanced. Yeah, and I think the reason, probably the only reason that Mason McCoy isn't in the top 30 is because he just doesn't have a really high ceiling. Yeah. But that being said, he is also a very high floor prospect. I don't think he is going to probably ever reach the level of being an everyday shortstop for a major league team. But I think it's very realistic that he reaches the level of being a good utility guy off the bench at the major league level. I don't see him ever starting, ever having the bat to be a good starter, but he can play multiple positions in the infield and he has a very high floor with the bat and he has a very high floor defensively. So I think the only reason that he's not in the top 30 is because he's just not one of these exciting, flashy guys, but he will be more than likely a solid utility guy off the bench. Yeah, and he doesn't have a whole lot of power. That's part of the reason... Uh, you mentioned he probably doesn't have as high a ceiling. It's just a typical kind of infielder where he can hit a couple home runs, hit two home runs last year, um, viewed more for his defense at this point. Not like he's a superb defender, but he probably brings more with the glove than the bat at this point in his career. Once he got to Bowie last, or in 2019, rather, uh, hit 266, and the 669 OPS was not very good. Um, but remember, he did start out at Frederick, crushing it. So overall, he ended up hitting 290. Um, so I think people were interested to see what he could have done with a full year, or at least starting out in Bowie. Maybe he would have made his way up to Norfolk at some point. And he was a guy that was talked about because he was uh, available in the Rule 5 draft, uh, who was not taken, but was discussed as a potential guy who could have been scooped up by other teams. And the Orioles could have added him to their 40-man roster. They didn't. So I think that tells you what the Orioles think about him and what other teams think about him is he's just not quite there yet. They're, they're not ready to, I don't know if he's going to make his debut in 2021. I think probably going to be further down the road. I think probably 2022 if he comes up. Yeah. And you mentioned the bat. That's not really what you're looking for out yeah, of Mason McCoy. You're looking kind of for the defensive versatility. You're yeah. looking for a guy who, if somebody gets injured, if somebody just needs an off day, you can plug and play him pretty much anywhere in the infield he doesn't need to hit 300. Yeah. He, he doesn't even need to hit 250. He just needs to be a solid defender who can occasionally plug in at whatever infield spot you need him in. Ideally, would you like him to hit a little bit better than that? Sure, but that's probably not his role going forward. Who's your next not top 30 prospect? So you mentioned it briefly when we talked about Isaac Matson. was that if you aren't a starting pitcher, you probably aren't going to be very high up in the top 30 or be mentioned too much. So the next guy I have is Connor Gillespie. He's 22 years old. He is a relief pitcher. He is in the lower levels of the Orioles system, but it is clear at this point he is going to be a relief pitcher, and that's all he's going to be developed as. The reason I'm excited about him, he has a really big spin rate slider, 
and he has a good fastball. If you're a reliever and you're near the bottom part of the Orioles system, you're going to move up quicker because you don't need much more than two or three pitches. You're not going to be a starter. You don't need a four or five pitch mix. Connor Gillespie has two plus pitches already, and he is probably going to develop a third one, and that he'll that will shoot him through the Orioles system because he doesn't need to develop a ton of pitches. He had a 177 ERA in 14 games in Aberdeen in 2019, a whip of .885, 21 strikeouts, and just five walks. So he's not an exciting starting pitching prospect, but that's not what you need him to be. I think he'll be a good reliever in a few years, and just because he isn't a starter, he's not going to show up in the Orioles' top 30 as this exciting guy who could flash a ton of potential at the major league level. But I think he's going to be a solid reliever at some point, and he's just 22 years old in Aberdeen right now. I think he'll move up pretty quickly. Yeah, I, to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about this guy. It's one of those names that I have heard over and over again, uh, especially going down and covering games at the lower minor league levels. But it's somebody I really, I don't think I've ever seen him pitch. I don't think I've ever seen him uh, in a game. But that doesn't mean that he won't eventually make his name more well-known. Um, so he, I mean, the numbers are there. Uh, you mentioned those two plus pitches, um, developing that third pitch, I think is probably yes. the most important thing. Um, because it's really hard to move up through the system, especially if you're a reliever at that level, if you don't have a plus third pitch and, um, be interesting to see if he can develop that. How old is he at this point? 22. Okay. That, that's fine. I mean, if he's 24, um, especially if he's, is he, he's 22 now, he's 20, he's 22 now. And he was a college arm, right? So, yeah. So essentially he was really not, um, you know, did not have a whole lot of experience has had barely any experience. So, um, you get the experience in college that'll help, but his age will definitely help him. Uh, I believe he's 23 now. Okay. I think he's 23 well, now, throw everything but he only has... He only has one season in the Orioles system. Right. Because he came out of college. He pitched 2019 in Aberdeen, which was his first experience in the Orioles organization. Yeah. Um, and that, that first offseason as a pro will certainly help there. Definitely. Um, all right. My next guy, guy who was in the Kevin Gosman-Darren O'Day trade with the Atlanta Braves way back in 2018. That it would be J.C. Encarnacion. At the time, he was a very young, very raw, toolsy prospect. Not a whole lot has changed since then. He still is pretty raw. He's a third baseman. He's still only 22 at this point, so pretty pretty young. Um, last time he played, 2019, was for Delmarva. Spent the whole season there, hit just 240, nine home runs, and a 648 OPS, which is pretty low. However, he is athletic. He is still stuck at third base for this for the moment, so we'll see if it, the defense was a concern. But if he can turn that around, they still believe that he can play third base. Um, and he still has a little bit of pop. So a, a guy that the tools are there, the production is not at this point for J.C. Encarnacion. Yeah, you're just waiting for it to come together Yeah, with J.C. Encarnacion. Everything is there from a talent perspective, from a build perspective. It just needs to show up and start to translate on the field, which... To this point, it really hasn't. And you've seen you've seen flashes. Like I remember in 2019, one of the big, one of the most fun storylines of the entire season for Delmarva was uh, his walk off home run, in which he it made got more attention. And I don't want to say nationally, but it got a lot of attention because he kind of pimped it, and they made it was like an eight run comeback, 
and he hits this walk-off grand slam and just is watching it go down the line um, and making sure it gets down into the corner uh, and got mobbed at home plate. And that was really at the height of that incredible 90-win season for Delmarva. So he's shown flashes of that ability. It's just putting it all together. Right, and you saw that swing on that grand slam. The dude has a swing. Yeah, he's got a great, beautiful swing. Yeah, it just it needs to come together. He is not very disciplined at the plate. He hasn't hit for great average, hasn't even hit for great power, really, which is one of the things that he should be hitting for. Yeah. But I think still you give him more time in the minor league system, you give him more coaching, and I think hopefully the tools will come together. And if we see a season out of JC Encarnacion where the tools start to come together a little bit, this is a guy who could vault into the Orioles' top 30 at this point next year. We, yeah. we could be talking about him as you know maybe a top 25 prospect that the Orioles have but the tools just need to come together for at least a season yeah to see that all right who else do you have Brendan uh the third and final name that I have this isn't really a a a guy who you will expect to see anytime soon or expect to make an impact anytime soon but just somebody to monitor and that's Elio Prado He's just 19 years old. He was the big piece in that return of the deal that sent Andrew Kashner to the Red Sox. He is a very raw, very toolsy center field prospect. He has a ton of speed. He has a ton of power. He's incredibly athletic. People think he could be a very rangy center fielder as long, along with having a pretty good bat. But the thing with Elio Prado, he is still probably at least four years away. I don't even think he's going to play in the minors this year. I think he will probably still just be playing in the Dominican Summer League. So we won't see Elio Prado for a while, but with a deal like the Andrew Kashner deal, it's important to keep in mind that while these prospects are really young and still a long ways away, they can still make an impact at some point. And with Prado, I think we'll probably see him in the Orioles' top 30 in a few years once we see more from him at the minor league level, once he actually starts playing at the minor league level. But it's an exciting prospect if everything pans out the way that prospects are saying it could pan out if he puts all of the tools together, kind of like we were talking about with J.C. Encarnacion. And the Kashner deal is kind of like a baby version of that, not a baby version, but a less version of like the Tommy Malone trade where they cash in on this great first half that Andrew Kashner has, uh, pun intended, and then... Um, he goes to a new team that's a playoff contender and just bottoms out. Kashner had a terrible second half of that season. So really, the fact that you got anything for him, and then he walked in free agency. So the fact that you got anything for him was a positive. Um, so that that everything has to be kind of viewed from that uh, prism as well. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Orioles are taking these guys, and this is a, a difference in previous regimes, um, that they are, are just stockpiling these young international prospects that are super raw, super far away from the bigs. But Mike Elias said that, uh, I can't remember which deal it was afterwards, but he said basically at, in any one of these deals, they're looking for you know a good prospect or two, but then they're looking for somebody that they can just throw in. You know, somebody in, the, in their Dominican uh, system and in their, on their Dominican Summer League team that they can just add to the mix. Because these guys, when you are so raw and so far away from the bigs, you it's so difficult to project what these guys are going to be. And because the Orioles system is so far behind in that market, 
They have to play catch up. So they're taking anybody that they can find pretty much. Not anybody, but they're fine. You know, they are in desperate need of stockpiling talent at that level. So the more chips you get, we've talked about in, you know, previous drafts, like last year's draft, the more opportunities, the more swings you get, chances are you're going to hit on one or two. That's what they're doing with these uh, young international prospects. They're just trying to take as many swings as possible and hope that they hit on one or two, but we just won't see them for a while. Right, and Prado looks good in the Dominican Summer yeah. League when he played. Played in 60 games between the Red Sox and the Orioles, hit 300, three homers, 12 doubles, and 12 stolen bases. So the potential, at least, has flashed at a very, very young age, and we'll see if that can develop along the years when he finally starts to play in the Orioles system a little bit more. Absolutely. All right, I have one more guy in, who is not in the top 30, but it was a recent resident of the top 30. That would be Caden Grenier, who uh, was drafted back in 2018. The pick after, well, the, the Orioles' second pick after in the first round, they took Grayson Rodriguez. Uh, in the competitive balance round, they went and took Caden Grenier out of Oregon State, former teammate of Adley Rutschman, hailed for his defensive tools, not so much for his offense. And that's so far what we have seen from him at a pro level. In 2019, uh, he split. He had 82 games at the A level, 24 games at the high A level. Across from those two, he had a 244 average, eight home runs, 22 doubles, and uh, 740 OPS. So he is still not developed uh, as an offensive talent. The defense has been everything that they expected him to be. Uh, he can play second base if he needs to. Right now, he's primarily a shortstop. Still very good in that way. Working for him would be that that defense is going to be translatable, I think, as he gets through the higher levels. the What's working against him is he is getting older. He's 24 at this point. Of course, he spent three years at Oregon State before he was drafted, um, and he was just kind of slow to make his way through the, the system, and he wasn't a pick under Mike Elias. He wasn't a, you know, a guy that, a Gunnar Henderson, somebody that he tabbed and picked out and drafted and spent the money on, he's a previous regime. So you wonder what Mike Elias would think of, uh, of Caden Grenier. And we just have not had, we have not had a whole lot of production from him at this point. Yeah, I think of him in a similar way to Mason McCoy in that he is a pretty high floor, low ceiling type because of the bat. We know that the bat is limited I think he's going to be, hopefully, a solid utility guy in a similar way that Mason McCoy hopefully will be. I think those two could realistically compete for a similar roster spot on the Orioles in the next few years in that they are both utility guys who don't have a great bat, and you probably can't keep a ton of those guys around. So maybe McCoy and Grenier end up fighting for that similar role with the Orioles, but we just need to see more with the bat. He was a first-round pick, so clearly the potential is there, but the bat needs to come together a little bit in the minor leagues for him to move up quickly because, like you said, he is 24 years old. You'd expect him to pick things up a little bit more than he has. Yeah, um, and a, a name that Orioles fans are used to hearing because he was drafted so highly. Um, it's just a matter of him cashing in on the potential that uh, he had when he was in that draft. Right. Those are some of the names. Not all of the names, of course. There are still so many other names that we have not mentioned of guys that are in this Orioles system uh, that we could be seeing soon um, that are not being ballyhooed as much. I just wanted to get that word. Ballyhooed. Ballyhooed. 
There's your word of the day. In a musical, you know the thing where the um, the spotlights on the curtain do like figure eights. I mean, no, but I trust you. You know exactly. And you hear like the drum roll, ladies and gentlemen, and it's got like the, Oh, I yeah. know what you're talking about now. That's called yeah, a ballyhoo. Yeah, yeah. I did not know what it was called. There you go. But now I know. The you learn you... something new every podcast. Every time I open my mouth. Every, every podcast, we are learning things. And they're all irrelevant. Mostly all about relevant. musical theater. Mostly. Yeah. All right, Brendan. Christmas wish list. Yes. We each have three things on our Christmas wish list. We do. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. Some of them we could get very soon. Some not so much. You had a golden opportunity to say that we wouldn't get them at all, and then it would oh, rhyme. <laughs> hey, yeah, I should have done that. I'm speaking in rhyme. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway. Had to bring up the Grinch. All right. Had to. Uh, much like I had to bring up the Grinch, uh, the next thing that I have to bring up is something that I bring up on every single Oreos podcast, and that is Andrelton Simmons. Uh, he is the first thing on my Christmas list. You know when you were like eight, and uh, maybe this was just me. And like every you year on my Christmas ago? list, yeah, two years ago, um, I would write that I wanted a puppy on my Christmas list, and I knew that I wasn't getting a puppy, but I just was wanted to write it. Was it actually my, a puppy? You asked for it. Oh, Christmas? I did every, wow. every single year. That is adorable. Um, I knew that we weren't getting a puppy, but <laughs> I would write it every single year just so that I could say I tried. Yeah, you know. That's like Andrelton Simmons. I think if I bring him up enough on the podcast that I personally will convince Mike Elias to spend the money and get future Hall of Famer Andrelton Simmons. I, this, this future Hall of Famer thing, I think you get it from former guest of the podcast. Uh, oh, I foolish, absolutely Foolish did. Baseball. I thought it before. I don't. I, he I mean, reinforced it. Is he? Is he a future Hall of Famer? I mean, listen, that's an entirely new podcast. Once the Orioles sign him, and I will talk about how he is a future Hall of Famer. Okay. But this is my not going to happen Christmas wish just because I want Andrelton Simmons and his platinum glove at shortstop for the Orioles because he is a better version of Jose Iglesias. I mean, think about how helpful Andrelton Simmons would be to somebody like Richie Martin, too. It is just... It makes too much sense not to do. It's not going to happen because it doesn't make sense yeah, to pay Andrelton Simmons that much money. It, but I, the market would have to fall apart for un, uh, oh yeah for them to sign him. Yeah, I think at this point he's going to command double. Di- I mean, you know, tens of millions, like yes. probably fifteen million. I think he if will you're giving him a get, one year deal, it's probably at least fifteen million. I think right. Yes, I, I just don't. Realistically, you would probably have to sign him for. Like two years, twenty-four million, something that like just that. Is not a, a, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's the puppy on the Christmas list. Yeah. All right. Keep that keep is how I am justifying speaking it. Speaking it into existence. I am manifesting. Yeah. All right, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I would like on my Christmas list. You're really building up the I anticipation am. here. Uh, I think this is something that most people would like. That would be Adley Rutschman to debut. In 2021, I think it there we've talked about it many a time. I think the odds of it are very high. Yes, I think that uh, Mike Elias has all but hinted that assuming the minor league season is going to go on as expected, that Adley will be at the double A level to start at Bowie. That means he's two calls up away from the bigs, and it is still somewhat rare for a guy to make the jump directly from double A to the bigs, but 
this is the kind of guy that you do that for. This is the kind of guy that uh, that makes sense for. Well, it's funny. Everybody was obviously making the joke at the end of the year that they can't wait for 2020 to end. The lack of the minor league season, I think, did wonders for Adley Rutschman. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. It, he benefited from it, weirdly. Yeah. Yeah. Weirdly enough, not being able to play in the minor leagues was probably the best thing that could have happened for Adley Rutschman's development because he gets to not only face better pitchers than he would have been facing at the single A, maybe double A level last year, but he gets to catch those better pitchers as well. So it was probably the best case scenario that there is no minor league season for Adley Rutschman. And going into the year when we didn't know what would happen in place of the minor league season, people were pretty worried about what would happen to some of these top prospects if there wasn't a minor league season because we didn't know what the alternate site would look like. But I think it's fair to say that things shook out pretty well for Adley Rutschman and some of the other top prospects in the Orioles system because they were able to get really hands-on and specific coaching. Yeah, and I think that... I don't know how many games he'll get, but I think just the sight of him. I mean, the the, the fan base, we talked about it with Austin Hayes so many times. The fan base seeing Austin Hayes debut in 2019, the or not debut, it was, you know, have that great September. It was his second uh, stint in the big leagues. The fan base seeing Ryan Mountcastle debut in 2020, and it would have been awesome to see, to have fans in the stands to see that debut. Uh, to have fans see... Uh, Dean Kramer debut. All of these debuts are meaningful to fans because it shows that the process is working, that there are people in this, guys in this system that are going to be making their debuts and going to be having success. It just reinvigorates the fan base. And uh, I know everybody likes to bring up the Matt Wieters thing and how much hype there was about Matt Wieters. Look, Adley Rutschman this is isn't much, Matt Wieters. Adley Rutschman is a better prospect. Yes. And... <laughs> Uh, I don't know how good he'll be if he debuts in 2021, but I do know uh, that fans would love to see it. I do know that he will hit 500 and win MVP. Yeah, with uh, two, you know, uh, 1.4 OPS. I mean, no question. Naturally. Um, yeah. Not that we have high expectations for him. I Yeah, never forget our podcast with uh, Mountcastle's debut, and we said, I don't expect him to hit 300. He hit 333. Yeah. So... He could come up and have great success, but just just seeing him debut in 2021, I think, would be a massive step forward. It would show that this this is working, that this is getting closer to fruition. This team is getting closer to winning. Would love to see Adley come Now, up. here's a million-dollar idea. The first time that fans are allowed in the stands for 2021 is the day you call up Adley Rutschman. Boom. I think that there's a chance that... Million-dollar idea, Paul. Opening day, we could have fans in the stands. I think there's a chance. I don't know how many fans in the stands, but I think there's a chance. Well, so what a I don't segue know into that. my number two on my Christmas list. Which is? Fans in the stands in 2021. Bold. Please. My goodness. Am I excited to get back to Camden Yards to see some good old-fashioned Orioles baseball? Yeah, It, I mean, it was a very weird year. For a lot of reasons, obviously, but not being able to actually be at Camden Yards for yeah. baseball was probably one of the weirdest things. I, so I, I hope for all of our sakes that we are able to cover baseball at Camden Yards, that fans are able to watch baseball at Camden Yards. Fingers crossed. Yeah, it just created such a disconnect. And and 
sometimes I, you know, would catch myself during the season just thinking about wishing I was there, wishing I was able to walk down Utah Street and go to Boogs and just be able to interact with fans and see people. Um, and just the experience of live baseball. Baseball is the best sport to see in person, hands down. It is unlike any other sport. You, you can watch football on TV and still enjoy the heck out of it. You can watch, and you can really enjoy baseball on TV, but there is such... It's not the same. It's not the same. There is such a great advantage to being in person and seeing a game, especially at the best ballpark in baseball. So I hope your, I hope your wish comes true. I don't know Me when it will come true. Um, I think at some point, look, people are... The amazing thing, not to get too tangential here, but... I think it is a miracle, a like Christmas miracle. People are getting vaccinated. It is unbelievable. I looked it up yesterday. I think we have 550,000 Americans so far vaccinated, and we're still obviously ways away from the majority of people getting vaccinated. But for it to have happened this quickly, and it, it is a miracle of modern science. And shout think, out science. Shout out to science. I think it is absolutely incredible. We're, on, we're, we're getting there. We are getting shout out there. science. Let's hope 2021 brings a lot better in uh, a lot of different ways. Let All us right. hope. Next on my Christmas list, Brendan, uh, Alex Cobb trade. I don't know when this will happen. I think it could go down in the offseason. Uh, but I think that Alex Cobb at this point is better for the Orioles as a trade piece than he is as an actual player. Um, and I know some fans obviously don't like when trades are made for guys who are producing at the big league level. I get that. But Alex Cobb only has one year left on his deal. He has had maybe the best year as an Oriole last year and still was not great, still had a four or five something ERA. I don't know how much teams are willing to take on the rest of his deal because he has a lot of money uh, deferred in those deals. But I think that it just makes too much sense not to deal him. And he is obviously going to be done with, uh, not obviously, but most likely this is going to be the end of his Orioles tenure after the 2021 season. So just one more deal. Michael Elias has already pulled off several Deals this offseason, obviously, the Iglesias one. He got the players to be named later in the Tommy Malone trade. All these young, exciting prospects coming through the system. If you could just get a couple more, maybe one top 30 prospect from Alex Cobb, one, it would give us more podcast fodder, and two, I think it would make the system a little bit better. Well, let me add on to that Christmas wish for an Alex Cobb trade is that Alex Cobb, if he isn't dealt in the offseason, that Alex Cobb stays healthy up to the trade deadline yeah, is is my extension of your Christmas wish. Because if Alex Cobb stays healthy up to the trade deadline, I think there is a pretty good chance that he gets dealt. Because when Alex Cobb is healthy, Alex Cobb is a solid pitcher. Yeah, middle 3-4. Uh, yeah, you don't need Alex Cobb to come in and be the ace of your rotation. But look at somebody like the Braves from last yeah. year who needed Tommy Malone... <laughs> to come in and be a number four, number five. Obviously, that didn't pan out very well for the Braves. But when Alex Cobb is healthy, here's a fiery take for you, he is better than Tommy Malone. So if the Orioles were able to find a trade partner of them for got Tommy like Malone... $80 million contract. Though. Right. <laughs> that is the difference there. But Alex Cobb can do more for a contending team than Tommy Malone. And I think if Alex Cobb stays healthy through the trade deadline you will get a pretty good prospect for him. And they wouldn't set back the system. Um, yes. Or they wouldn't set back the major league team much at all. Because I really do think they, they may have a hard time filling in some starts for the first month or two of the season without Alex Cobb. But they are have this 
whole load of pitchers that is going to come up and make their debuts that we've mentioned a million times. Michael Bauman, Alexander Wells, Zach Lowther, Kevin Smith could all make their debuts in 2021. Those spots are going to be filled. I think Alex Cobb wouldn't leave a massive hole in that rotation. No, because you need spots for those guys. Yes. You need spots for the prospects that are coming up. You know what you have with Alex Cobb. Yeah. You are not looking for something spectacular out of Alex Cobb. And if you can get a good prospect for him, he moves out of the rotation. Yeah. Which brings me to my final Christmas wish. Which is? Not the most exciting Christmas wish in the world, but it's Colin McHugh. The Orioles go out and sign Colin McHugh, formerly with the Astros. It'll be a nice little reunion. And my argument for signing McHugh, we talked about it on a previous podcast, is similar to your argument for trading Alex Cobb in that you can sign McHugh, you can begin the year with him in your starting rotation, and then you can bump him into the bullpen. He appeared in 35 games for the Astros in 2019 and started eight of them. So he doesn't need to be a starter, but he can be. So he can come in and be the number four, number five guy in the Orioles rotation. And then once you call up somebody like Zach Lowther, like Michael Bauman, you just bump McHugh into the bullpen, no problem, because he's comfortable in both roles. Yeah. So that's why I want Colin McHugh. I think he could be a perfect fit for the Orioles. I think Alex Fast mentioned him as somebody yes. that the Orioles could be interested in. I think he would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Let's see if it happens. I sure hope so. We'll it see. is on my Christmas list that I will be personally mailing and they, and, to yeah. Michael Elias. And they could trade Cobb and just fill that spot with Colin McHugh. Could exactly. Happen. All right. Uh, last one that... I have on this Christmas wish list of mine as I struggle to bring up. What do I have, Brendan? There are too many tabs. Oh, yeah. This is important. Way too many tabs. Uh, A minor league season. I think that uh, we would all be better for it. I think that all the attention, of course, has gone to the major league side. Not all the attention, but a lot of it uh, for understandable reasons. However, um, no fans in the stands to start the 2021 season will make it very difficult for, for the minor league season to go on. I don't know how it's going to look exactly. It was great to get the four affiliates named or invitation sent a couple weeks ago. But my goodness, do we need a minor league season? And maybe that doesn't, maybe that means that we still keep the alternate side of Bowie for some top prospect, or, or, or maybe not Bowie down in Florida, for top prospects to develop and to practice. But baseball is better with minor league baseball, the sport is better. And yes. the Orioles system definitely needs it. Now, before we get uh, hate comments on our Facebook saying, hey, Brennan and Paul, you just spent your last segment talking about how great the alternate site was for Adley Rutschman, and now you're going back and saying that you want a minor league season. A minor league season is still better than of course, an alternate site. Well, and, and not just for players' development. Like right. there, and, and that's something that Elias has mentioned and Sigma Dell has mentioned. You it is great. The alternate site was great for so many reasons, but for a lot of reasons, it, it you can't fully replicate what competition and real games does for yes. players. So it, it, yeah. saying that the alternate site was great was saying that it was great because the minor league season wasn't the, it was the next best thing that you could try to come up with. And for yeah. Adley Rutschman, it was probably more beneficial to him. Yeah. However, for the majority, there yeah. are a lot of prospects in the Orioles system. Uh, some would argue most prospects in the Orioles system that are not Adley Rutschman. Yeah. And they are much better served to have a minor league season. There are a lot of guys who were not invited to the alternate site. For, so for some of the top guys, yes, the alternate site was helpful. 
But for everybody else, the minor league season is necessary. And outside of the prospects themselves, like you said, minor league baseball is awesome. It's great. It, it is a great thing to have in local communities. It is fun to be able to go and watch a minor league baseball game, see some guys who could potentially be players for the Orioles in a few years, and just to see baseball. Yeah. It, it minor league seasons are awesome. I know that personally growing up, I had the Tri-City Valley Cats. We would go see games all the time as much as possible. Without having a minor league season, you don't get those same really fun experiences. And regardless of the actual progression of the prospects themselves, for the communities that those minor league teams are in, it's, it, again, keeping our fingers crossed that the minor league season happens as planned in 2021. Absolutely. And uh, we know those communities have been hit hard uh, as well. That that those teams provide jobs, they provide opportunities, they provide fun experiences for families. Just, uh, we could use it. We could all use it. And hopefully we get it. Um, On that sad note, uh, that just about does it for our podcast today from our apartment. I'm amazed that things have worked so well. Um, I think we've had some internet issues, it appears, but we're going to boost that next time. Yeah. Going to get a, up our, our internet plan. Give uh, give good old we podcast a call. Uh, yeah. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in uh, this entire time. We will be back after the Christmas holiday. Um, and I'll still be wearing this jacket. Yeah. I mean, that's a year-round jacket. I would say so. That's a, you know, evergreen, if right. you will. You hear that? That was good. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you for tuning in. We wish you all a safe, happy, healthy holiday. Uh, enjoy the time that you, you get off of work, hopefully, uh, away from the office with family, with friends. Um, and I know we're all a little bit more grateful for everything uh, this holiday than we have been in previous years. Uh, for Brendan, at Brendan Morty on Twitter. That's me. Be sure to rate, subscribe, of course, review our podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, just scroll right down, just click our feed, give us five stars, then comment and tell us why we, you think we're stupid, but at least give us five stars and that'll help. Tell us about our fashion sense. Tell us how great you think it is. Only good comments. Only good vibes. <laughs> um, at Paul Mancano on Twitter, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks, of course, to Hannah Broder behind the scenes, as always, and we'll see you next time.